Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tiger Athletics. Stepping up to the microphone are your hosts, the founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield. Welcome back to Go Tigers 247's Tigers in 20. I know it's been a minute since we had a basketball-related Tigers in 20 podcast, but I will say this, Brooks and I have had numerous conversations um, on the phone since the last podcast, and every time we've been like, we needed to turn that into a podcast, but we're here today, and I've got Brooks Hansen with me, the founder and owner of Go Tigers 247. What's up, man? What's up, dude? I, uh, I I agree with you. It's been too long for both of us to be together and for us to talk about basketball. I think the last one that we did was uh, titled, Where's the Fight? <laughs> yeah, I think we've seen some <laughs> off and on fights since then, but uh, for me personally, National Signing Day about did me in so i did need a little bit of a break so i appreciate everyone bearing with me while we kind of uh gathered ourselves after the new year yeah Uh, i'm glad you mentioned that brooks because um if anybody is a um a fan of tigers and 20 and what we do um we get accused a lot of not covering enough football and i number one don't think that's true number two Y'all need to go back and listen to the last, I think, the the three out of the four episodes have dropped um, for this, this National Signing Day podcast series that Brooks did, where he literally sat down with 17 out of the 19 players that uh, committed and signed to the University of Memphis in 2022. And it's fantastic, man. Like what, real quick, before we get into basketball, what, what were some of your takeaways from those interviews that you did, it was all just kind of breaking the fourth wall. It was all done in one day. If you listen to the fourth episode compared to the first episode, you can tell Brooks's voice is starting to go by the fourth episode. He killed it, knocked it out in one day. It was amazing. But what, what's, what did you learn? Uh, one thing I learned that's completely unrelated to the interviews is that I think that the internet in general and Zoom get tired as well. And my internet and Zoom by the end of the day about had it. Um, So that's the first thing I would tell you and warn you, if you're going to do something like that and you're going to be on Zoom for literally 14 hours in a day, um, maybe spread it out over a couple of days. (laughs) That was a mistake. Um, But in terms of the the interviews, man, it it was a lot of fun. And it really gives you perspective on uh, – you, you get a real good feel for what you know Ryan Silverfield and his coaching staff are hearing and seeing from these guys when they talk to them, right? So you think that it's not you – know, recruiting's not done in a vacuum. Ryan Silverfield isn't recruiting one dude and not getting a good feel for the rest of the guys. They're watching film 
but they're also having daily text conversations with these guys and phone calls, Zooms, um, and, and getting to actually get them on campus and get a feel for these guys. And it's really kind of eerie. And you start to see a pattern with these guys in terms of their characteristics, their work ethic, the type of young men that they are. And you start to see this common thread run throughout the entire class. You hear them speak all about the same types of things, about um, you know earning your keep, uh, playing hard, um, you know, from day one, about maximum effort, about you know, you know, all of them tip tip the cap to um, you know their parents and the people around them that helped them get to where they were. So you you saw it across the board with all those guys, and it was really neat to see um, just kind of a glimpse into what that coaching staff sees when they're trying to put together an entire class. Seventeen dudes is a lot, so I got I got a really good feel for that class that day. So what do you? Um, I know halfway through the interviews, you started asking the question to the players, like as they started to look at the 2022 class, if they could use one word or one sentence to describe the class. What would they use? What was the overwhelming idea? If if you could break it down based on the players, what what did they the Tigers gain in the 2022 class? Man, all those guys, almost all the way across the board. Even when I didn't ask that question, they all mentioned this this concept of explosive speed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're talking about you know when you're talking to a defensive end. They want me to be explosive off the end. They want me getting in the backfield and wreaking habit, havoc for that quarterback. Um, you're talking about uh, a corner or a safety. They want those guys to be explosive in their playmaking and and what they're doing. You know, when when a team is trying to throw downfield, um, you're you're talking to you know guys like Sutton Smith, and they want him to be explosive out of the backfield or in the slot when they move him out. They want these guys to be playmakers, um, so they're not necessarily looking for SEC size on the defensive or offensive line. They're looking for explosive power, um, and that was pretty consistent all the way across the board. Absolutely. Man, like I said earlier, if you haven't listened to those podcasts, I would absolutely recommend going back and listening to them. They are pretty awesome. And, um, I don't think I've seen anybody do that amount of work, um, on the, the Memphis football signing day from 2022. Um, so Brooks really, really, really good work. And, um, again, man, go check it out. It's a lot of fun, but let's get to basketball, man. Um, let's go. We, before we got on, um, and started recording the podcast. Asked Brooks, "What we're going to say?" And he said, "Let's just go with it." So, Brooks, man, like, what? Let's just go with it. What are your What are your thoughts? It's been a little bit, like you said last week, like you said a few minutes ago. The last podcast we did was called "Where's the Fight," um, and it was, I think, it was after the Ole Miss game, um, if I remember correctly. Since then, they've lost another. They lost another game to Murray State, so that was four in a row. Um, then they came back and they donkey stomped Alabama. Then they took. Am I missing Brooks? No, you're not missing. Yeah, I was just donkey st- shanking my head at how bad they trounced Alabama. Donkey stomped Alabama. Um, then obviously the Tennessee debacle happened with COVID. Um, came Thanks, back, baby. lost. 
<laughs> Thanks, Penny. Um, came back and lost to Tulane in a heartbreaking loss, and then went to Wichita and donkey stomped Wichita State at home, breaking a 21 game conference win streak at um, for the Wichita State Shockers in their home court. So, um, where's the fight, Brooks? Um, what are your thoughts? What's going on? Well, before we get into the good news, I, I want to go ahead and like let's address one of the elephants in the room, and that's the you know the pandering that I've seen on social media by some other media outlets to some of you know Memphis's current players and former players expressing their you know their uh, distaste for some Memphis fans, uh, and particularly. A lack Dandridge. of loyalty. Yeah, lack of loyalty and wishy-washy, that type of uh, you know garbage. Um, and particularly from Malcolm Dandridge and former uh, guard Jeremiah Martin. First, I would say to that, the idea of giving that airtime in terms of like, oh, they're getting stuff off their chest is just silly. Um you know, players say things every day that we don't retweet and give the time of day. Um, however, I do want to address this from kind of a controversial side of things, and that's um, how about just not say anything? Um, because, I, one, your comments and, you know, I, re- retort, I guess you could say, your retaliation to the fans is dripping with irony. The the concept of these fans are saying negative things about me or my teammates, so I need to go on social media and do the same thing back to them is just stupidly ironic, and it makes zero sense. Um, second of all, you are you asked for this. You became a Division One athlete. You put yourself in the spotlight. If you want to become a big-time athlete at the Division I level, at the NBA level, at the NFL level, you are going to be criticized, period. Even the greatest of all time in any sport, you look and they will be criticized. And you could stack up the top five over the last three generations and they've been criticized. Michael Jordan criticized heavily. LeBron James criticized heavily to the point where people even make fun of the man's hairline. Uh, Kevin Durant, people look at the things that he does off the court and and just skewer him over it. Uh, Kyrie Irving, he's not a goat. He's not one of the best of all time. But just he gets demolished for things that aren't even related to his play. You are going to be criticized. It's going to happen. And the idea that fans are automatically wishy-washy because they offer commentary about losses or about poor play is is not, you know, doesn't doesn't warrant a response from you. You know how you respond? Stay in the gym and go get wins. Winning shuts everyone up. If you're not happy with someone saying that you know, you don't need to be playing when you're going one for five and have four turnovers and make really dumb mistakes, guess what? Fix that. Don't fix the fans. Fix your play. Spend more time in the gym. 
you know, actually listen to a game plan. Listen whenever coaches tell you to do X, Y, and Z, and do X, Y, and Z, not A, B, and C, and whatever you deem is necessary any given day of the week. That's how you fix that and address that problem. Do I think it's absurd to go on Twitter and at a college athlete? Yes, I think that's just fucking dumb. Uh, Do I think that fans and media have the right to say, you know, player X has done the following things, why are they in the game? I don't see any problem with that because one thing that people forget, college basketball and football fans, college fans are extremely passionate. That's what has fueled this for so long, and they're passionate because they typically are deeply connected to the community where these schools are based. They went to that school. They grew up in the shadows of that school. They knew players that went to that school. They may have even played for that school at one time. But all of these fans have one thing in common. Most of them, especially in the city of Memphis, spend a shitload of money. Some of those people that don't need to be spending that money on following those teams because they love that team. Memphis fans love the University of Memphis. And there are so many fans that spend thousands and thousands of, and thousands of dollars on tickets, merch, uh, travel, hotels, you name it, following this team around. And right. what do they want to see? They want to see a team that wins. Hell, the only reason that you're only seeing one former player come out and, and express support for you know that type of rhetoric is because most of those former players probably feel the same way that a lot of Memphis fans feel. They they're like, man, I want to see this team back where I was. You know, mm-hmm. when we we're going to the Final Four in the championship game, they want to see this Memphis team be a winner. And yeah, I mean, you see, I, I've seen Antonio Anderson, uh, CDR b- before he went off the deep end. Uh, I. Robert Dozier, other dudes express thoughts that if it came from a fan would be considered wishy-washy on Twitter and Instagram. Um, So I would say to those players, stick to the hashtag, tunnel vision. Put the blinders on. Instead of hashtag... Uh, getting distracted by every single little thing that a fan has to say on Twitter, stick to hashtag tunnel vision. Put the blinders on. Focus on what's in front of you, one foot in front of the other. Get in the gym. Get better. Stop commenting on fans. That's that's all I'll say about that. Well, and I think that we need to make a distinction because when there there's a difference between fans and media, right? Like our Absolutely. hope... Our hope as a media organization, even though we've grown up in Memphis and followed the Tigers for a very long time, um, in all transparency, I've been a fan of the Tigers my entire life, um, having grown up here. Um, but Brooks and I, we genuinely want to cover this, both the football and the basketball team, in a um, in a perspective of of not through fans' eyes, but through intelligent and um, uh, thoughtful commentary about the team and what's going on. Um, 
and and I think we've done a good job of that this year. Honestly, I think that we have. It's um, been tough. Pri- it's we've been, been tough. Fair. We've been fair, and I think that there has been. Um, you know, we we said from the beginning of the year that Penny's hardest, the the thing that he was going to have the hardest thing with, the hardest time with this year, is his lineups. And that has been the the majority of our commentary, I think, about this team is is the fact that that the lineups have not been great, and the rotations they, the rotations have not been great. Um. So so in terms of media, I do I do think that criticism is is necessary um, when a team is not playing well. If if we were to come out here and say that everything is going great, and if we were to come out and say um, that that no criticism was warranted, then then we should absolutely, as a media organization, be discredited for our inability to look through look through things without you know blue blue colored blue tinted glasses, right? Because of our past and because of the fact that we grew up in this city, it it is okay to say that things have been not have not been going great. Um, and with the fans, like when you when you think about the fans, and I agree with you, Brooks. Um, when you spend your hard-earned money and you have a deeply invested um, mentality towards the team, then of course you're going to say things. I do think that there is appropriate ways to engage and inappropriate ways to engage, and I do think that we've seen some inappropriate engagement with players. Absolutely. And but here's my point, Kenny is whether it's appropriate or inappropriate as a player you can't respond you can't even focus don't go on twitter and search your name jesus christ what are you doing don't do that don't don't look at your mention in fact like i, I know we talk about branding but like don't even look at your mentions look at your like <laughs> you know look at your metrics and your engagement tweet and then get off you know right. get off the app um, right. I would say this. I would say this. I, I actually had um, somebody come up to me after the Tulane game and say, you know what's changed this year? I don't see many people talking about the Tigers after the Tulane loss. And I said, you know what? I think you're right. Because I looked at – like I would search different things. We have notifications set up on Twitter, um, kind of seeing what the conversation is, especially after that four-game losing streak. Um, seeing what the conversation was. And there was a lot of angst among the fan base. Nationally, there was angst. I think there was some commentary from media that was you know, critical of what Penny and the, the Tiger team was doing. After the Tulane loss, there didn't seem to be much. And, and what really struck me was the worst thing that can possibly happen for the Tiger team this year is that people lose interest. Yep. If they're, if they're not talking about you, it's because they don't care whether it's good, whether it's bad. They were on the verge of people losing interest because the Grizzlies are one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now. Yep. And so the the Memphis fans were getting their fix through having the Grizzlies being the fourth seed in the Western Conference with one of the hottest players in the NBA right now, one of the biggest superstars globally come to come around in a long time on their team. When you play like shit, people are going to stop caring about you when they've got somewhere else they can go. And so um, I agree with you, man. To sh- shut all that up, if you want that to stop, if you want people to stop talking to you, or if you want to re-engage fans, just win. 
just put your head down, get to work, get get make things right, and win. And here's the thing, Kenny. Look at look at two of the last three games, and and I'll be honest, <clears throat> we'll get to this on the other side. I'm starting to look at that two-lane game with a little bit more perspective than I did. Absolutely. And I'll explain why I'm still frustrated and upset with that two-lane game. I do have a, a valid justification and reason there, so I do think that there is a reason for fans and for media to to have some disdain for the way that that game played out. But you look at two of those last three games, and the formula is there. You can shut up the fans. Shut Easily. them up. So let's take a quick break. And we'll come back on the other side and talk about the positive, the the good things that are on the the horizon for the Tigers. All right, welcome back. Let's let's just dive right in. Positives. Um, Memphis at times, even in the Tulane game, had moments of brilliance. Like the last three minutes of that Tulane game were great. Uh, Memphis was actually really good in spurts down the stretch, but against Alabama and against Wichita State. Memphis was dominant for many, many parts of both of those games. Um, And for many parts of both of those games, they weren't even shooting the ball extremely well for parts. You know, I think that they could have even been more dominant, especially in Wichita State. It felt like over the last five minutes, they went into kind of like a delay, you know, move the ball, run clock type of, you know, burn the clock, let's get out of here kind of. Situation. They also had foul trouble where Earl Timberlake fouled out and guys kind of got a little squirrely. But overall, nothing to complain about with Alabama and Wichita State. Here's the only complaint that I want to air, and then we'll get into the positives, right? We'll, we'll stick to the positive thoughts. With Tulane, Memphis is down uh, with Jalen Duran. DeAndre Williams and uh, Imani Bates out of the lineup, their top three scorers on paper for that game, right? They go into Baton Rouge, not Baton Rouge. Why am I thinking Baton Rouge? Into New Orleans, and and they lose by one. And Penny Hardaway, after the Wichita State game, goes, goes into the media uh, room and proceeds to kind of like take – uh, offense to the fact that he's getting criticism over that loss. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but I know you're down your top three scores, Penny. I get it. And Penny's exact words were, you give me another team in this conference that can go somewhere with their top three guys out and not lose. That's probably true. But here's the thing. It wasn't a given loss you actually had the opportunity to win that game. And what did you do, Penny Hardaway? 
you decided to roll the ball out and let a player who never in four years has had a game-winning shot, has a 42-plus percent turnover rate, was one for four as of that ball being rolled in for that game, and had four turnovers as of that time. So you decided to roll the ball in and say, I'm going to give it to that guy and let him try to win this game. A guy who just like, what, three games ago decided to take an errant you know, three-point shot in the corner to try to win a game and just absolutely bumbled the moment. Um, I'm sorry, but coming out of a timeout with one timeout remaining – your response after the game was, that's what we wanted. We said, go get the ball, Elo, go make a play and win this game. And my criticism of that game is it didn't have to be a loss. You could have won that game. Instead, you publicly stated that you wanted to put the ball into the hands of the guy who was least likely to make a play to win that game. That's my issue. So it's done and over. There's nothing you can do about it now if you're Memphis and Penny Hardaway. There's nothing that you can do with it as a fan. It is a, what, a quad four loss at this point. You just have to take it like it's a a good whooping when you're a little kid and move on and learn from it, right? You just take it and, and move on. Uh, so for Memphis, they turn around now and they have uh, Tulsa at home on Tuesday night. They have uh, Cincinnati coming up at home on Sunday. Both good opportunities for wins against you know a Tulsa team that has been kind of a thorn in your side and against a Cincinnati team that before losing to Tulane <laughs> looked like they were poised to be one of the top three teams in the conference. So uh Good opportunities at home to get two more wins, right the ship, get these guys building confidence going into the heart of your conference play, especially with going on the road. Uh, you got to go to what uh, UCF and the ECU. You know, you got to go on the road, and you actually dropped one at UCF uh, as a head coach, Penny Hardaway. So. Uh, that's the good news for Memphis is they have momentum coming out of Wichita State. As long as the players can keep their heads down, listen to the game plan that this staff is putting together, stay healthy, I think they actually have a chance to make some noise. But they've they've got to damn near run the table and can't lose quad four games anymore. They just can't. Like, Tulsa is not a losable game. You cannot do that if you're Penny Hardaway in Memphis. So let me ask you. Let's let's do some quick run-throughs real quick before we get out of here. Um, let's do it. The emergence of Josh Minot um, against Wichita State. Duh. What's your thoughts? Duh. <laughs> Duh. Play the Play man. The man. Uh, you know we <clears throat> we've been talking about Josh Minot since before it was even really public knowledge. Um, <laughs> that Memphis was even recruiting him. We've been, ta- I mean, we were, we were the only media outlet that you know traveled out of state to go cover Josh Minot. That that did evaluations of Josh Minot in multiple events. We, 
I honestly love what Josh Minot brings to the table. Has he had moments where he's looked lost? Absolutely. He's a freshman. We said that he was going to have those moments. He's a freshman. He's also a freshman who's trying to figure out his position. I mean, he literally, in his high school, played a guard. Right. And now he's playing kind of a multiple position forward. Right. Uh, And sometimes I think he's even been slotted at the five. So he's trying to figure out those things, how to guard a true 6'9", 6'10", forward slash five. You know, like he's trying to figure that stuff out. Of course he's going to be lost. He's never switched on everything on the defensive end in his life. So you said something in the you said something in the game that I thought was really or on Twitter during the game that he's earned the right to make those mistakes at this point. Right. He's shown you that he has the potential to help you in ways that other guys just simply aren't helping you. And so if those other guys aren't helping you in those ways and they get a leash to make mistakes, he too deserves that leash. So you have to be willing to say and look at it in a plus minus type of way. Like if he does all of these things well and makes these mistakes, am I willing to live with that? And what's at the, some point, what's the cost benefit analysis of having Josh right. Minot on the floor? That's what every coach has to make with every dude that they play. Right. Tyler Harris is that same type of thing. He gives you so many intangibles with his ability to catch fire. They don't win certain games without Tyler Harris. Right. But you also have to look at it like, is this an appropriate time to play him? So I get that. Mm-hmm. With Josh Minot, there are going to be, you know, stages and moments where it's like maybe we need to pull back a little bit. Maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't need to be in there for six straight minutes and make three straight mistakes without trying to rein it in and settle him down. I get right. it, but at this point, you have to roll with him. You have to. So I think, yeah, there I think was any time he's been given that that you know ability to play like a stretch of minutes. He starts just making plays. One of the things that we did, Brooks, when we one day we forgot to press record on a podcast, me and you were on the phone, and we were talking about all of the major high-level freshmen that are in college basketball this year. And we went through their statistics with the minutes and the plus-minus and everything. And you want to hear a shocking statistic, Brooks? Did you know that Josh Minot is one of the most productive freshmen in the game right now? In a in a in a plus minus, if you extrapolate the numbers out over a forty minute per game stretch, when he's on the floor, he's as productive as any player in college basketball freshman this year, and that includes Chet Holmgren. Like that includes them all, and the guys that the guys that, that there are guys that are that were so highly ranked. There are guys that were far and away that you know Memphis fans are freaking out that the Tigers didn't get that can't even sniff the level of production that Josh Minot has when he's on the floor. And 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 so yes, I agree with you. You let him play, you give him minutes and he will produce for you. You saw I saw it just we can go let's let's take it off the 30,000 foot view numbers and let's go down into the game for a second. There was a play um and I tweeted about it. Um there was a play where the clock was running down, nobody was moving. 
Um, there was maybe like seven seconds left on the clock. And I think Tyler had the ball at the top of the key and he passed it off to Josh on the wing. And he gave the ball to Josh on the wing and Josh was wide open for a three-pointer with six seconds left on the clock. Do you know what he did? He did not shoot the ball. He waited for DeAndre Williams to curl around, pin down on his guy. He entried the ball from the wing into the post, and then guess what he did? The play that, you're, that you teach your six-year-old son on the first day of basketball, he passed it and cut. And guess what happened? DeAndre took the ball, boom, to Josh Mida on a cut, and it's the ESPN play that you've seen all over ESPN this week, him yamming all over Tyson Etienne. That was a freak athlete because he's a freak because you know what he didn't do. He did not panic in that moment. He didn't take an ill-advised three that if, that if you looked at it and you, and you saw him shoot it, you would have been like, well, yeah, that was a good shot, but he knew he had seven seconds left on the clock entry, entry into the post cut wide open. Boom. Like this is what he does. This is the kind Giving of player a that he is. a decent shot for a better shot. Exactly. Exactly. So let's, let's move past Josh. I'll say this. I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat a um there's a there's a theme there was a theme last year for the Grizzlies of um started by a local media guy um that said play Desmond Bain, you cowards. Start Desmond Bain, you cowards. I'm gonna say that to close out this with Josh. It's play Josh Minot, you cowards. Like it's time to play him, it's time to give him that leash. Go for it. Last thing, what are your thoughts? Not last thing, second to last thing. Jalen Duran, what do you, what did you think about him in that game? Feed that man, uh, feed feed that man, and I think you know Penny Hardaway did to his credit speak to this in the post game. He said, you know, this is Smash Mouth, this is grit and grind, this is grimy kind of basketball. We want to play through our big dudes, and we want to beat you up. Essentially, I love it. I think they're they're so skilled in the post. DeAndre Williams, Jalen Duran. That's when Memphis was at its best last year. Was when it utilized its long and tall post players. Even DJ Jeffries, when he was a four or five, pulling defenders out, making plays on you know entry cuts, um, movement, you know, kick it out, reverse the the court. That's when Memphis is really, really good because of that skill in the post. And Jalen Duran fits perfectly into that. That's what we talked about when Jalen Duran committed is why he fit. And they're finally going to that. I think it's great. Uh, if if they can do that and they can feed Jalen Duran, especially if he keeps up with that mid-range game, that was a thing of beauty. Um, you know, people – Love to talk about how the mid-range game is dead, but the, it's only like dead because people it's, can't do it. Exactly, and when a guy like that with man. that size and touch, oh man, it's it's like it it's gives beautiful. you it gives yeah. you some like basketball chills watching that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like man, I wish I you know like <laughs> I wish he were on my or I wish I was six ten and could do that. You know, like right. it makes like that face up. Like jab step, just straight up jumper from fifteen feet was he had one of those that was just a face up. Looked this man I, right in the eye, pulled up, just beautiful. And I saw uh, I saw it. his I saw his stock. I saw his checks his check right. go <laughs> ring ring. 
Like more zeros, more zeros, stock up. You know, right. like I, when he was hitting those shots, I was like, oh man, that's is a good look for him. Um, yep. So that leads me to the last thing. Um, so Penny did, you already kind of talked about it a little bit, but I wanted to get your, your thoughts specifically about it. He talked about, he started in this last game against Wichita State, Malcolm, um, DeAndre, and Jalen. Um, what are your thoughts on, I mean, that's a huge lineup. I mean, the starting lineup was Lester, Earl Timberlake, um, Malcolm, DeAndre, and Jalen. Huge. Probably the big would have to be the biggest starting lineup in college basketball. What are your thoughts? Do you like that moving forward? Um, I don't mind the size at all. I, I do take issue with the combination of dudes. Uh, you know, I do think that there's uh, probably some old school, like, you know, maybe about a decade old of favoritism within that lineup that's influencing uh, one or more of those players. But overall, <clears throat> I think if your rotations and minute distribution at the end of the game, it's not necessarily about who starts, it's it's who finishes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as long as, you know, that plays itself out in the proper ways, I have no issues with it. It obviously worked. So, you know, it's it's one of those, the old adage of like, don't fix what's not broken, you know. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Do you think that um, – what were your thoughts on Earl Timberlake starting for the first time as the lead point guard? How do you think I he love did? It. I love it. No, I mean, he has to be the same way with Josh Minot. Yeah. Like, he he has to be that dude. Yeah. You, at this point in the season, with you know what you've got and what you don't. Right. You do. Right. And it – you have to look and say, what's my best option to get what I need from that position? Right. That best option is Earl, Earl Timberlake. Timberlake. Without a you doubt. Gotta, you got to go with him. Let him play through those mistakes. I think the more comfortable he's gotten, the less he's forced things. You right. see his body language is improving. Uh, he's starting to figure out how he can make plays within this offense. Those Absolutely. Some of those strong drives. He's had a couple really good drives and kicks. Uh, some little pocket passes off of you know some high screen and roll type of action. He's starting to figure out how to make those plays. Right. And and as he gets more and more comfortable, he's going to look better and better and better. And I think it's going to be obvious that you know as it plays itself out, as he gets more playing time and others get less it becomes more and more obvious these are the dudes you have to roll with. You have to roll with your best options. So do you think that uh, at the at the end of the Wichita State game, you tweeted out, you said, um, is this the sign of um, – is this a sign of things to come? Like, is this has the light switched on? Has the light bulb been switched on? Is this something that we're going to see moving forward? What are your thoughts on that? Like, I mean, because at this point, we all believe that the Tigers need to win every game to get to the tournament. Yeah, right? I mean, there are some people that are saying that Memphis still has a chance. And I think last year, after starting pretty slow and, and having a pretty mediocre resume after 12 games, I probably said no chance Memphis gets an at-large bid unless they win out. And honestly, if they had won one of those Houston games, they probably right get a get a bid. So I, I probably was going to be wrong if they had won one of those games. Um, 
So do I think it's possible that they could still get an at-large bid without running the table if they win the right combination of games? Yes. But at this point, you're in a position where you have to say, why risk it? We right. have to say, listen, if we want to control our own destiny, we got to win 17 straight and get to the championship game of the AAC tournament. And at that point, if we've won 19, 20 straight, let's just win 21 straight and get into the NCAA tournament. That That's just my mindset. Like Memphis has done it before. Mm-hmm. Josh Pastner did it. Uh, John Calipari did it. The only Memphis coach that ha- hasn't done it in the last two decades is Tubby Smith and Penny Hardaway. And Penny Hardaway, if you are looking and saying, looking at Alabama, looking at Wichita State, do they have the ability to do that and be the best team in the American at this point? Absolutely. So just do it. Like just do it. Yeah, make the decisions. You you you've seen you've got enough of a sample size to know what's gonna to know what the best steps are moving forward and go with it, right? Like go with it, do it. And here's the thing if if you do that, fans shut up. They don't tweet you. In fact, they're tweeting you awesome things. Media shuts up. You don't you won't have people criticizing you for every single little thing you do or don't do, even if it's not your fault. You won't have that. Right. You'll have Memphis media riding your jock. And I know <laughs> that that's what you want. So let's get it done. Just go do it. Just yep. do it. We all we and we've said this from the jump. We here at Go Tigers two four seven love to cover a team that is winning more so than a team that is losing. And I know that the same can't be said for every single media outlet, but we love it. Um, we want to cover a winner um, because it's a lot more fun. So everything is there for you. It's there for the taking. The conference is there for the taking. Your lineups are there. Everything is there. Get it done. Brooks, let's get out of here. Um, I know we all have things we got to do. Um, this is going to come out on Tuesday morning before the Tigers game against Tulsa. Um, so um, by the time you hear this, they probably will be playing Tulsa. Um, and yeah, man, um, thanks for joining us. And I, you know, if you want to check out more of our stuff, like, listen, we do this Tigers and 20 thing. We love it. We love doing the podcasts. Um, we also have a website, www.gotigers247.com where you can look at, um, there's daily content that's published about the Tigers football and basketball team. Um, there is message boards. You can join the go Tigers two, four, seven family. Um, check us out, man. Seven, uh, Memphis on IG, uh, at go Tigers two, four, seven, on Twitter, give us a follow, Kenny. I'm not gonna let you try to end this in an oh, improper my bad. way. Yeah, I, I was you, gonna. So you got it nothing in an improper else? Way. I'm good, man. All right, I got nothing else. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers and Twenty. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a rating and a comment wherever you download your podcast. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, head over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are published daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for a VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. We will see you back here next week. 